Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. There's been a lot of talk the last couple of days, a lot of prayer into purifying, into repentance before revival. And tonight we're going to talk about some unity in the body. And uh, Romans, this has been a pretty awesome few weeks. It's been, this is week nine, um, which is over two months we've been digging into Romans, if you guys can believe that. Um, She's coming. She's wrecked a little bit. <laughs> Lord, we just give you tonight as a, we just pray that this, we finish well tonight, that, that what we've uh, f- dug out of your word over the last nine weeks ha- it bears fruit, Lord, that it changes perspectives, that it brings the refining fire to purify your body to purify this congregation so that we can be a image of what you call us to be so that we can unite and be that power evangelist uh, community that you call us to be. We just thank you, Lord, and we give you tonight. We pray, Holy Spirit, come, give us wisdom, give us words, give us interpretation, Give us understanding. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, we started the book of Romans nine weeks ago, and we started with understanding who the book was written to, why it was written. It was written in around 57 AD. Um, Last week, we talked about authority, and honoring authority, and God places those in authority there for his purposes. And just so you can get a concept of who the governing authorities were at the time that Paul had to reference that scripture to, as he's writing this, he has to be thinking about these authorities. Because in that time, he had... Let me pull up these. uh... Claudius. Thank you, guys. It's so good. It's so freaking here. Who, Claudius was the one who expelled the Jews from Rome. He had Nero in his lifetime to reflect on as a leader, as an authority. Nero was known for burning members of the fledgling Christian church with fire in order to light the gardens, the emperor's gardens at their parties. That was the authorities 
that were over Paul when he's, when he's writing about the authorities being placed in position. There was... Tacitus, this historian, describes Nero as extensively torturing and ex- executing Christians after a fire in 64. So, <clears throat> these are the authorities um, that he had to deal with. Caligula was another authority in this, in this probably 20-year time frame that would be pretty fresh in his mind. Um, you know, we've had presidents over the last 15, 20 years that we all can still recall quite a bit of what happened during their time serving. Um, so to have Caligula and Nero and Claudius, all these persecuting authorities, those were the people that he was talking about that he had to suffer through. So we talked about the time frame, what was going on. We started off talking about the human condition. And that's revealed in the first part of the book was the human condition. Something that we all, he set the ground floor, even the, even the score, even the playing field. Everyone is subject to these things. It's the human condition. None of us are any better than let's see what the definition of human condition is we we defined it as what it means to be human the experience characteristics and limitations of life shared by all humans so that's when he says oh man oh man he's saying oh you human being He's talking to the Jews and the Gentiles alike, saying you're, and he's talking to them about the sinners, saying, you know, don't judge them because you're in the church and you're suffering from the same sin. So he's really levels the, the playing field. And then he talks about God's grace. And in Romans three twenty-five, he says, Pull that up. Whom God set forth as a propitiation. Thank you. By his blood, sometimes it doesn't come out, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Propitiation. Propitiation. There we go. The New Living says this sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who had sinned in the times past. So he was being just, waiting for that propitiation to come so that he can judge based on that, on what Christ did. So we talk about his justice. The, the faith that Abraham had before the law in chapter 4 the founder of Judaism, the, 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 the forefathers, and where his seed came from, um, his discipleship, how he was discipled under Noah and Shem um, to understand the blessing of God, to believe in God, his, 
his righteousness was founded in his belief that God would, that his promises were true. So this was all just establishing a foundation of understanding this new paradigm that he shifts into in Romans 5 and 6. Because he, we believe and have faith, he says, at the beginning of, of chapter 5, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, because we were made right by faith, because we believed and have faith, we were made right and have peace with him. It's not because we fulfilled any of his laws and not because we, our works did not put us, give us that right standing with God. It was the faith that we have now. Which was a gift from him. The faith, the, our saving faith was a gift from him. Yes. And then we talked about, um, in six, we talked about this new paradigm. We're shifting from being slaves to sin to being slaves to righteousness. We talked about the shift in our nature. We no longer have a sin nature. We have a, uh, a, a righteousness in us. It's a nature of faith. Um, which really shifts our whole understanding of who we are as, a, as believers, who we are as, uh, who, where our identity is found. It shifts our, I, our whole paradigm of understanding re- reality and our relationship with, with God. So we even talked about fruitless conversations and how some questions have no value when your paradigm shifts, when you have a new set of concepts old questions don't even fit into that new mold. So sometimes you're being asked questions or you ask questions for, with that old mentality, that old mindset, when those questions don't even have value in the new mindset. They're null and void. Um, then we moved into uh, Romans 8, 7 and 8. Uh, 7, we talked about the regenerate man, the impotent man, the wretched man. Oh, wretched man that I am, and the almost delivered man. This is the steps we took in understanding and and as God revealing our salvation and our hope. Um, And we're almost delivered when we realize that we can't do it on our own. We need him. That even though we are saved, we are children of God. We have to get to the end of ourself to be able to be in Christ Jesus to be able to put to death the old man, the members, the body. Oh, wretched man that I am, I cannot do this in works. I cannot do this. I can't, in my own strength, I cannot kill this fleshly desire, this this sinful desire. Oh, wretched man that I am, you have to get to the end of yourself to then, to then, walk into that place of only in Jesus, only in the power of Jesus, only in the power of Holy Spirit can I actually kill those fleshly desires and walk in the newness of the creation that I am. So in eight, we go into being led by the Spirit. That's the true, that's the true deliverance is the Holy Spirit. Spirit. 
And that's when we're adopted into this new inheritance. And he starts talking about Israel in 9, 10, and 11. And that is because we're tran- it's a transition. It's not a replacement. It's not a new idea. It's not a new God. It's not a new salvation. It's not a new, it's, it's, it's a transition from old to renewed. It's a, it's, it's a continuation and he describes this with Israel and how they were, how their unbelief um, allowed for us to be grafted into their tree, to their, so we could bear the same fruit. We were based on the same root system. They put the root system in and we we're grafted onto that root system. So it's not a, it's not a replacement. They still have faith, they still have that line of sight from God, and he has not cast those branches off into the fire, he is ready and waiting to graft them back on when they do believe. So, and, he's, and we also discussed the remnant um, of his people. Um, that was 9 and 10 and 11, um, 11, God's mercy. And then we get into 12 and we see the living sacrifice that he calls us to be. That he is worthy of worship at all, all, with all things. Just like the song that we just sang. You allow him to purify you. If you allow him to burn out all of those impurities, we that is transformation. That is to me. And in Romans 12, for those of you that are part of the Global River House, I encourage you. I truly believe with every fiber of my being that he is calling Global River to be a Romans 12 body. So take that, go home, and, and, and read it, and devour it, and pray on it, soak in it, and ask the Lord to reveal to you what he wants to speak to you through Romans 12. It is to the church. It is a picture of how we are supposed to look, and, and I truly, truly press that on you um, moving forward. Yeah, and you know something that he revealed to me about being a living sacrifice. Part of my testimony has been the last five years, people will ask me, you know, you you just get, anyway, when you share testimony, when you talk to people, a part of my testimony has been, I'm in the process of being killed and dying and it hurts so good, it's beautiful. And that's been, that's where I've been at for about six years. And then the Lord, through this teaching, he sat me down and he said, honey, you can't say that anymore. And I said, why not? He said, because you already died. You already died. You're in transformation and you're being burned and you're being purified and you're learning how to live in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not dying. You're already dead. You're in transformation. And so that's the word to all of you. We are not continuing to die. We already died. 
Now we're in transformation, and it's up to us in our personal submission of how much he gets to transform us. That's our choice. How much do we want to hold on to that wretched man? And how much do we want to submit unto him and go, I want to look as much like you as possible while I'm here on this earth. Purify me and burn this man out. But I get to keep the phrase, it hurts so good. Because it does. It's good. Keep it. So in 12, we went over not judging others' faith, um, mercy with cheerfulness, loving without hypocrisy, um, giving preference to one another, what that really looks like, the building of community as a church body. Especially with charismatics. Charismatics? I said charismatics. Okay. Did I not? I'm happy. Okay, so clear, precise words tonight. Um, so name. one thing that I've noticed is, you know, we get full of the Holy Spirit and we kind of trample on each other during things, you know, we're, we're not very, oh, okay, well, let's sit back and let that person share. We kind of know we get overly excited and we really trample on each other. Um, so just, yeah, maybe read the scripture a couple times to give preference to one another, to sit back and see what somebody else has to bring and just learning how to honor one another in that way. Um, I think in our world, it, yeah, that scripture, it, it could pertain a little bit more than what it does. <laughs> but it's just the zeal that comes upon us in Holy Spirit. But it's just those moments of being able to self-control, like, hey, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor this individual. That's right. So giving preference to one another, um, we talked about the difference between avenging and defending, because in the scripture says to not avenge, that's an after effect. That is retribution. That is, def- that's, that's feeling justified in, off- in an offensive manner. Um, and we're told that, that in uh, the end of 12, it says, the scriptures say that I will take revenge to saying the Lord. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So the Lord is our avenger. And then we moved into 13. And it says, submit to governing authorities. But we had a caveat there. We said there is, there is a point where you have to draw the line. And we see that in Acts 4 where Peter and John say, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We cannot stop telling about this gospel, this hope. We cannot stop preaching in Jesus' name. So there is a line that we have to draw. When we see that line coming, we have to be prepared. Like the underground church in China is a beautiful example of that. Um, and also, just brother, what you were sharing, um, having preaching under preaching threat under of under the threat of persecution, imprisonment. Yeah. So no. death, even. Those are those are things we need to be prepared for. Um, and in the, and in in Romans fourteen, we started talking about uh, the dangers of criticism. And how in judgment. And how some people will keep days holy unto the Lord, and that as long as they're doing it unto the Lord. 
as long as we do all things unto the Lord, they are good. But, you know, the scripture before that says, really, don't even argue about such insignificant things. It does. It's not about what I see you it doing. It doesn't matter. It's about what I'm doing for him. That's, that's my concern. My concern is not what you're doing for him, but what I'm doing for him. Yeah, those are, those are very, in, yeah, we just shouldn't be wasting our time with such insignificance. It bears no fruit. So we're going to start back off at the end of 14. We did kind of... Um, we did read it, read but we it. felt like the Lord wanted to... We didn't really get to pull into it because 15 actually kind of completes that idea, that concept. So we're going to go ahead and start at the, the verse 19 in chapter 14. Okay. And then start from there. We're going to uh, work through um, this last couple chapters. And I'm reading in New King. So therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. And all things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God, and happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. And then the very first verse of 15, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Only read it out of the Passion. It says, now those who are mature in their faith can easily be recognized, for they do not live to please themselves, but have learned to, be, to patiently embrace others in their immaturity. Patiently embrace others in their immaturity. The New Living says this way, we who are strong must be considered, considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. So he's talking about you believe this is something you should do and you do it. So be blessed. And you believe this is something you should not be doing. And so you do not do it. So be blessed. But if you believe you should not be doing this, and yet you do it, that is sin. He doesn't say specifically. He says, if you do anything you believe is not right, you're sinning. So if you go against that personal conviction... If you go against what Holy Spirit is convicting you not to do. During VOA, one of the most impactful moments was when Bishop Joseph Garlington was preaching. And it was like God came out of the heavens and spoke it directly to Daniel. And he said, he was talking about leadership and some other things, but he said, others can, you can't. 
And it was like our entire life just opened up and it explains so much because we personally are so convicted to not partake in things that we see other Christians are able to do. And that has been, I say it every single, I've said it every single day since that. Others it gives can, me freedom. You can't, yes. It gives me freedom knowing yes. that others can do this, but I cannot. It gives me freedom knowing that because I don't have to have those feelings of judgment or those feelings of self-righteousness or or feelings, even feelings of con, con, condemnation or fear for them. I don't have to fear for them. I don't have to think, you know, oh, no, that could lead them into, no. No, there's they, no judgment. You can't judge them. Some may do it. I cannot. Yes. That's freedom. Yes. And backing by what you feel convicted by faith. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. This is saying, whatever you do, whatever you are feeling convicted to do, follow it through with faith, believing and trusting that what you are doing is being, is following the Lord and what he's calling you to do. He honors faith. Faith, everything in the kingdom is moved by faith. Everything is answered by faith. Everything. He, one of the most powerful statements I heard here recently. It is better to have a bad idea and move on that bad idea backed with faith than to move on a good idea with no faith because the Lord honors faith, which is why it says anything you do without faith is sin. That is a personal relationship with the Lord. Whatever you do without faith is sin. Well, when you are following Holy Spirit and you're following that conviction, you know what to do and not to do. And you just partner that with faith and he blesses it. He just, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. All right. But then we have to include this. We have to include that first verse of 15. So we who are strong, we who have faith, we who stand firm in our beliefs, we who are leading or have new understanding or know truth and have that imprinted in our heart, we who are strong. Or have been walking with the Lord longer. Must be considerate of those who are sensitive must be considerate of those who are weaker in faith. Must be, how does it say, have patience. And embrace those who are immature. It doesn't say you need to convict them and tell them what they're doing is wrong and they they're not, they're not claiming their identity the way they should. And they, they have supernatural power in them, and they shouldn't be believing this way. They, have, they should have conviction that... Yeah. That's not being patient and kind. That's not helping bear the burden that they're carrying. To me, this is the key to discipleship. Discipleship is not judging somebody for where they're at, doing things that are going to cause them to stumble. But it's actually 
meeting them where they're at and walking with them, bearing their burdens, not their burdens, but bearing their weaknesses, that means you have to walk with them. And then you show them as they're weak. And through that relationship, the Lord's able to move. He brings revelation. He brings truth. He changes the heart. He brings wisdom to them. So through that walking with them, through that discipleship, then they get raised up and become mature Christians. This is the model of discipleship. And he gave me... Okay, so the uh, Psalm 24, those who ascend the, the mountain, um, those who can ascend the mountain with clean, clean hands, hands and, and a pure, pure heart. heart. And that's what we have to do. We can't go to the top of the mountain and say, come up here. How dare you still be eating baby food when you should be chewing on steak? We have to meet them at the bottom of the mountain, and we have to show them how to climb the mountain. The very next verse says, let each of us please his neighbor for For his his good, good. his neighbor's good, leading to edification. And what is edification, might you say? We all all think we know what edification is. I thought I knew. And then the Lord said, look it up. This is so beautiful. The act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom is, Piety, happiness, and holiness. Let me read that again. The act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. You can't do that any other way but in close relationship, which is called discipleship. This is the model for discipleship. Here's another example. Walking through a crowded arena or a crowded amusement park or any, anywhere you know, is a hustle and bustle with a small child. Are you going to just keep walking and let the small child walk behind you and just bull through this crowd knowing that they should be able to just keep up with you and they should be able to see what you're doing and follow you? Or are you going to stoop down a little bit, hold their hand, walk a little bit slower? Even though it even though it's uncomfortable and you're, <laughs> in you're a no hurry, longer that little. <laughs> which one are you going to do? We have we have to encourage, lead those, edify those. It's, it says, please his neighbor for his good. So do things to assist for his good, not shake your finger. Especially when the world's model... You should know this by now. Yes, yeah, is that. You should know this by now and come up here and judging those who, who are not. There's just, yeah. You should know this by now. That's really good. So, I mean... Does that make sense to everybody? <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's really good. Because for even Christ did not please himself... I love that. It's not about us. Where are you at? For even Christ, yeah. Three through 13. Oh, you want me to read now? Okay. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning 
that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just stop right there. Patience and comfort. He's talking about relationship things. You have to have patience with people who are maybe more immature than you in the faith or weaker than you in the faith. You have to have patience and you have to be comforting. Those are relationship, relational adjectives. We hosted a a small group in our home and there was um, someone who came from the church, someone that was very involved in lots of ministries, a very, you know, very outgoing, but had struggles. And they came out very apparent. And we could have said, you know, you're not allowed in this small group. We can't have that here. But we had to do it with patience and and be comforting and trying to edify. We could have just cut them off and never had anything to do with them again. But how is that edifying? How is that discipling or training someone up or helping them out of their addiction. We, we just had to set rules, you know? We want you to be here. We love you. We want to see you succeed, but you can't come under these circumstances. So we were still inviting. We were still encouraging. We still wanted to be able to pour into him loving, lovingly. Loving, loving. It is all about love. Five years ago, I would have said, don't ever come back to my house. You know? We had this one guy come to our small group for a while. He, he actually stole from, from us. He stole from us. We were upset about it, and we confronted him about it, and he stole from us again yeah, in retribution. <laughs> that there was... That was is it him or is it the spirits operating in him? Is it, is it, his, is it his struggle that he's trying, you know, is what, where am I at? I want to love him. I know there's good in him. I've seen it. So our reactions to those things are very meaningful to those people. They, maybe they don't see it in the moment, but... And there's a theme going back. So Romans 14, 19 is about unity and love. Romans 20, or 14, 20 is without offense. 14, 21 is brotherly love. And then he goes into 15, which is about coming alongside those that are weak and being in close relationship with them. And then two is about the edification of that individual. There's, there's a theme that all runs together, but it all starts with love. And unity. And how do we show love? Is something that you do or show. It's not necessarily an emotion that you feel. So, what you do though to show that love is have patience, seek patience, be comforting, ask the Lord. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like minded towards one another. Yeah. That you may be of one mind. That in one mouth to glorify God. That was a prayer that Jesus himself prayed over us. 
that we would be of one mind and one mouth glorifying God. He said, he said he prayed to the Father that we would be perfectly one so that the world would know that you sent me. That's the gospel. That's how you show the world the true gospel. That's how you fulfill Jesus' prayer for us is by uniting you have one mind and glorifying him with one mouth. And the only way to do that is everything that precedes that. This whole book is leading up to this, bearing, bearing each other's burdens, how to be in relationship with one another, loving one another. No judgment, honoring each other, don't allowing them, don't cause others to stumble, don't argue about insignificant, unfruitful things. There's, that's why I say there's so much freedom in this book. You're always getting, every time you read another verse, you're being set free of something that you've been holding on to or that's been holding you back or that's been chaining your, yeah. and re- Holy Spirit. breaking your relationships. You're getting set free. Every verse, you're getting set free of something. Yeah, and it can only be done with Holy Spirit. Yeah. All so, right, 7 through 13. Okay. <sighs> Lord, you're so amazing. So therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. And in him, the Gentiles shall have hope, because Jesus is hope. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, it doesn't matter what's going on right now. We just have hope in Jesus. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. And we can read what the prophets said years before, decades before, centuries before, millennia before. The Gentiles would rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. He will reign over the Gentiles. He's using the Jewish scriptures in a a time when this new faith is just emerging to show, look, we are still in God's will. He's trying to unite that, that belief structure to bring truth to his brothers and to the Gentiles. And hope the definition of hope is joyful and confident. Joyful and confident. If you go to Acts 2, verses 25, 26, I just love the reinforcement of this. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. 
He had the Lord always before his face, and we have him inside of us. So he's even closer. To me, that gives me more hope and more joy and more confidence that he's inside. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's quiet in here. You guys doing okay? Okay. Let's move on. Just uh, making 14, sure. I'm like, are we boring tonight? No. I don't think so. <laughs> there is another microphone, though, if anybody has a question. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm one of those quiet ones. It's, uh, you know, whenever the, the, the preachers are up there and, you, just, you know, can I get an amen, this and that, and I'm, I'm always, I'm just, I need to absorb and soak, and if I say anything, then I won't hear what you're saying, and I'm going to miss something. So I'm one of those quiet Christians, and I never, I love Jennifer Costell. She's like, what does she say? Can I get a witness? And she always, like, they, she's one of those that likes to get stirred up, and I always feel, am I honoring them by just being quiet in the back listening so I can absorb? So, but now I get it, because I'm like, is everyone okay? Are we, are we boring? <laughs> are, we, are we sleeping? Are we good? Let's go ahead and but now, go to so 14 now, to 22. I understand that more. <laughs> Going back to discipleship, I just, so, that's one thing that I truly believe is missing from the church, is discipleship. And I don't mean global, I mean the church as a whole. Close relationship. I feel as though. We found a lot here. We looked for a long time, though. We had to move across an entire continent to find what discipleship was. Because so. discipleship is messy because life is messy because humans are messy. And when you're doing close relationship, it's not going to look beautiful and perfect. And you have to allow people in to your personal space. And you have to be willing to be vulnerable and transparent. And that's something that a lot of people don't like anymore. That's double-mindedness and how they behave on at church on Sunday and Wednesday nights is very different from how they behave in everyday life. And so there's a lot of people that are not even able to do discipleship because of the life that they live. So discipleship really needs to be awakened in the church, and we need to be ready and willing to be vulnerable and to be transparent so that we can do life with each other. And we had a taste of that when we moved here. Just being with Amber and Michael Thornton changed our entire life and it accelerated us for years. It, 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 it radically changed us. And they didn't say, just being in their presence, watching them, hearing the words, seeing the, the, the Lord move through them radically changed Daniel and I. And then the Lord put us in a small group with people from somebody very strong in the prophetic. And we were just starting. We had just found out this, this world existed, and this person's very, 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 very prophetic. And for two years, we were in this small group, and one of my, and we were all from different churches, different walks of life, and different political views, which really showed me how to not judge one another and love and honor and you can't change their mind. You can't know. You just have to love each other. And in these two years, just being in that environment, I, ra I was a completely different person. About every six months, I was so radically different just being discipled by these peers. 
by being in close relationship, being able to be vulnerable and transparent, being able to see that life is messy and it's okay. We get to work through this together. And going after Holy Spirit with everything that we had and practicing the prophetic. And, and a dear friend, of, and I, I was messed up. I had a lot of issues. I had a lot of, oh, wretched man that I am, this needs to die. And a lot of my flesh completely got obliterated, got obliterated from that discipleship. But I'm so grateful that I was around friends that had patience that were able to hang with me during like just radical transformation. And one of my friends, she, she turned to me, because our small group was transferring to our house. We, were, we had to release our leader and go a different direction. And she looked at me and she said, you're an entirely different person than you were when you came in here two years ago. And it was the biggest compliment I've ever had in my life because I knew it. I knew that I had been discipled in the prophetic just being around this individual, just catching what he had, just being able to practice, being able to have that safe environment, learning what intercession prayer was, learning what it was to host the presence, that can only happen in close relationship. It can only happen when we allow people in. And the only way we can allow people in is if we're leaving, living a life that's submitted to Holy Spirit, living a life to where we have fruit to give to others. If you're not living a life that's bearing fruit, you don't have anything to give them, which is, I think, why discipleship is so desperately needed in the church, because we have a lot of fruitless trees. So just to encourage everybody by the sound of my voice, and those that are here, you're hungry. I know that I'm preaching to the choir, and I thank you so much for receiving. But I just want to encourage you, do you have a Timothy in your life? Do you have a Barnabas in your life? We need those. We need those in our lives. It's very important. Discipleship is important. And just start with one person and see. And there's a, there's a term that I heard, and, and I... I I really love how, because you have to ask Holy Spirit, well, who is the right person for discipleship with me? And they call them people of peace. So you just ask Holy Spirit, I need that in my life. And uh, he'll bring a, purple, a, a person of peace to you. Um, and it can be short, you know, the times are short, it, but we need that. And this is a model for it. So, sorry, I just really felt like we were supposed to sit there for a minute. It is. It's a model. <laughs> it's about edifying and the strong bearing the weak, and that's discipleship. So, all right, let's move on here. Four, on. Fourteen through twenty-two. Okay. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. 
for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word or deed to make the Gentiles obedient, in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Holy, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to to Illyricum, thank you, to have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I have never had so much trouble with my words ever in all 10 weeks, so I apologize for tonight. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. One more verse. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. So we started the book in chapter one where he's saying, I want to come to you, I want to come. I haven't been able to. And now here we are at the end of the book and he's finally like, well, to be honest, the reason I haven't been able to come to you is because I like preaching the gospel where Christ hasn't been named yet. There's fruit. There's more fruit there. So when we started this nine weeks ago, I said we were going to get to the scripture that's going to explain a little bit of this delay he felt. That really cracks you up, doesn't it? It makes sense. Why did he wait so long to say it, though? He's working through it because he wants them to hear his message first. He wants them to know, hey, look, I have some really important stuff to share with you. Yeah, the place he even says that he's stuff. writing more boldly to you on some points. He's writing very boldly to these, to these people. He knows that they know these things, but he also knows that he has to say it. So he waits. <laughs> After he gets it all out, he says, yeah. I wanted to come to you, but I kind of I like going where there's no, where they don't know Christ yet. <laughs> so you don't have to unravel false doctrines. Yeah. Feels like he's building on another man's foundation. Yes. I just thought that was a little, a little glimpse into Paul's character. It is, it's good. All right, 20. And it makes him human. 23 through 33. But now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while, but now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution to the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Which, I love this. Daniel and I travel, and we try to go drink from different wells. And... Um, one of the things that the Lord has really spoken to us about is giving an offering when you receive a spiritual thing, whether it's somebody coming to this house or you're traveling to a well to go drink from somebody else. 
you, yeah, it's our duty. It is our duty. It is, it is not, it's very important that we do that and honor it. And I think that the Lord honors us whenever we, we, um, we gift a fellow brethren that we have received from. So here's a scriptural basis of why offering is important. The Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things. It is their duty it, <clears throat> to minister to them in material things. So here's an example of those in Macedonia paying off, giving an offering to the saints in Jerusalem. And you don't necessarily have to be happy about it. I know sometimes I'll come to him and I'll go, what do you think about this? And he'll go, I just don't want to know. Just do whatever Holy Spirit tells you. Some people are still struggling with that one. <laughs> I am not struggling with letting go and letting you do it. I am not struggling with that at all. I have gotten really good about just letting you give the offering. Wow, it's, no, it's good. It's good. I got inspired by certain people's testimonies about just what it's like to give to the Lord and how he gives back. And during the beginning of our journey, when our faith was little and we were weak, I wanted to test the Lord on that. Like, is it true? Is your word true? If we give, are you going to meet this? Are you going to bless our needs? And, and I started with that. And, just, and, and then as you go, and then he gives you a big number, and you go, is that Holy Spirit? But, but you, but you have to start, faith. but you do it in faith. And he honors it. And he does. And then you look back and you go, oh, look what you did. And it's not like he, you know, you write a check for 500 and he gives you 5,000. It's not that. He blesses you in the most unique, amazing ways ever. But I love that his word never comes back void. And his word is so true. And it's exciting. It's exciting to be able to sow into the kingdom, to be able to offer that to your brother and your sister so that you can see and pray a blessing over it and watch it multiply. My problem is I need more because there's so many things I want to give to. So I'm like, okay, Lord, we need more. We need more money in the kingdom so that we can continue sowing and watching this grow because we need lots of monies to do what needs to be done. Um, so that's, that's my prayer right now. We need more so we can give more. Amen. <laughs> Amen, sister. Yes. It's so good. It's fun. So just to encourage you, if you ever struggle with that, it's just, and it's a sacrifice, you know, um, just kind of those that hold on to their life will lose it. So your finances are the same way. The best way to get out of debt is to give. Okay. Sorry. So therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall get, come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be accepted to the saints, acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So verse 30. So 
strive. Holy Spirit said, look up the word strive. And the definition is Strong's G4865. And it says to offer intense prayers with one. So now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you offer intense prayers to God for me. This is intercession. And the only other time that this Strong's 4865 is used is in Colossians 412. You're just so beautiful how your word flows all together. And I'm not so... Um, Epaphras, who is, um, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That word fervently is the same exact coordinates as, not coordinates, but strong. Concordance. Thank you. Concordance, 4865, which means to offer intense prayers with one. So I, I love that he's even covering intercession prayer in this and that we have to have, if you're a missionary and you're an evangelist, we have to have intercessors covering us. Intercession prophecy, the kind, anyway, so I, lo I love that even that is in this. We must have intercession for one another. There's so much community in Romans. There's, he, he, Paul is trying to establish all these, this foundation of community, praying for one another, honoring one another, bearing each other's burdens, loving each other, showing preference to one another. How do you deal with a brother who's in this? How do you deal with a brother who's in that? I don't see how anyone could ever read this book of the Bible and think they can do it on their own. There, and I've run across so many Christians, I don't go to church, I don't, I believe, I read my Bible, and they feel like they're somehow spiritual and protected, but how can you read this book and not feel like you're missing something without community? Because they're not, they're not, they're not seeing the truth in it. Without community, God becomes the God of your imagination, which means you end up being your God. And it allows for something that William Wood spoke about at VOA this year. It was false maturity. Oh, that's so good. False maturity. You feel mature in yourself, but when you're put to the test, that maturity doesn't, doesn't stand. You're not mature, but there's no one to test it with because you're not in community. You're not in family. So you open yourself up to this false maturity. So a testimony to go along with that. We were in Alaska in July. We hadn't been back home. We were there for a very short amount of time when our granddaughter was born, but we were, it wasn't, you know, go out and see everybody. It wasn't our hometown. We were there for one week to just devour this delicious baby girl, and that was it. It was really five days because yeah. Alaska's yes. far away. Yeah, so we hadn't been home well, to Alaska, since we moved here, full of Holy Spirit, mature in Jesus. We hadn't been to 
where we met, my hometown. We hadn't been in relationship, close relationship with people that we loved dearly. And we were very different people when we left Alaska and came here. And we were going back. And we were going back for a time. And it was so beautiful to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and to just be who we are right now in him. There was no judgment. We were around. I'm a, before I say this, I want you to know how much we love these family members and how much I love them and honor them, and they are amazing people. But for one week, we were in staying with some individuals of my family, and they were amongst the first to be saved, and they were so... They were so rich and ingrained in the church, and they got wounded, and they haven't gone to church for about 15 years. And one person is in the throes of, of, of a lot of um, fleshly desires that they submit themselves to, and the other is standing firm on her faith. Um, and there's scripture all over the house, and, you, and but she won't get past the wounding to go to church and there's no community. And so we didn't judge them. We didn't bring scripture into anything. We, we didn't try to change them. We didn't try to avoid anything. We didn't do any of that. We just were us. We made sure that we were us in Jesus the whole time and submitted ourselves to Holy Spirit saying, how can we bring the light into this situation? And he revealed it to us. I have a dear uncle who has radically been transformed by the Lord, and he's very hungry for him. And he listens to a lot of Franklin Graham, and he's touched up at that. But he doesn't have Holy Spirit. And um, the Lord gave me a vision on our last day there that we were to lay hands on my uncle, and we were to minister to him. And it was raining out, and... It was our last day, and your dad had left, and it was just us in my parents' garage. And, and the vision, I was like, it's raining out. My uncle's there. This is the time. I knew it. I felt Holy Spirit. So we asked if we could lay hands on him, and he said, why? And I said, well, so the Lord gave me a vision. I shared with him what the Lord had showed me, and he wants to minister to you if you will allow us to lay hands on you and pray for you. And he said, okay. And he's, you know, he's just seeing, anyway, he's kind of gruff. And he's like, this is, you know, a little weird. And um, let me say this one thing about community. Before this happened, I was with, I'm just going to, I was with my stepmom. And we were shopping in her favorite store. And Holy Spirit fell on me. And I, I had, he had something for the girl at the counter. And I was terrified to do this in my hometown in front of my stepmom in that environment. My heart was racing out of my chest, and, he, and I just felt him go, just submit. It's, it's up to you. You can either be obedient or not. But I didn't want this girl to miss out on what he had for her. So we were fixing to leave, and I went up to her, and I said, Hi, honey. My name's Alicia, and the Lord has something for you. Um, do you mind if I talk to you for a minute? And just and she was she was so adorable. She's probably about 19 years old. And um, Holy Spirit just fell, and boom, it all came out. And tears are streaming down her face. The power of God is in that store, and she's just wrecked by the radical encounter she just had with Holy Spirit. And in my small town, this kind of stuff doesn't happen. 
And I said, okay, honey, that's, you know, I just bless whatever the Lord just, you know, gave you and did for you. And I think we're going to get out of here. And she was like, no, can I give you a hug? And she came around the counter to give me a hug. And I hear my stepmom sobbing because she's been away from the church. She hasn't had community and she's been trying to do this on her own. And she's radically touched just being in that environment. Well, a seed was planted there just by me being obedient. I didn't have to say anything to my mom. And we walked out of the store, and she's in the car, and she's like, I can't wait to hear the other side of this because it's a very small town, and everybody knows everybody's stuff. So, um, so I was just, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I didn't have to say anything about what the Lord's done in our life and how much we've been set free and this and that. I was just doing what the Lord has us doing right now. And it planted something in my mom. So when we went to go pray for my uncle, my mom joined us. She's never been in a laying hands-on circle. And she joined us, and Holy Spirit fell. And my uncle was weeping like a baby. Holy Spirit <laughs> touched him and healed him, and the power of God fell in that garage it was so powerful. We hugged him. We didn't make a big deal out of it. Okay, we got a four-hour drive to get to the airport. We got to go, you know. It wasn't, we were just obedient. We waited on the Lord. We were who we were. But my mom got a taste of community. And she hadn't had that for a long time. And all of a sudden, communication between her and I was more open than it had been in, in about three years. It was like the closer we were getting to the Lord, the farther away certain individuals in our family were becoming. And all of a sudden, that doorway opened. And a couple of days ago, Dutch Sheets came out. Well, not it's been about two weeks now. He's got this prayer. Um, every day, he's got these videos. And I was watching one of his videos, and I heard Holy Spirit say, you need to send that to Amy. And I went, and he's spirit-filled, and he's taught, you know. And he said, nope, you need to send it to her. And I, you need to send it to your daughter. So I, I sent it to them both. And Amy, my stepmom texted me back uh, a few hours later. And she said, I was weeping and sobbing through that entire video. And I watched the first four. Thank you so much for sending this to me. I can't believe it. The enemy's been at me and we've been so confused. What's going on? This and that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, she had him. Okay, well, what's, I didn't weep on the first video. What's the first video? So I go back and I watch the first video. There is no reason to weep on that first video. You know what happened? <laughs> she had an encounter with Holy Spirit while she was watching that video. And then she, yes, it was. And then she kept watching them. And then she, I invited her to be a part of this prayer. So from those seeds being planted, from being around community, the Lord touches you. And there's only certain things that he can do through community. But with holidays coming up, I just want to encourage you. Be who you are in Jesus. And it's like what Jennifer Costell says. We don't have to give them scriptures. We don't have to give them the law. We don't have to give them the works. We just got to love them where they're at and just let Holy Spirit work through us and seize those moments of obedience that he gives us because he does the work. He brings the increase. It's not us. 
We have a choice to be obedient. We have a choice to be partakers with what he wants to do, or he's going to use somebody else because he's not a God of partiality. But I want to be used by him. I want to be able to be partakers with him because that's when we get more intimate with him. That's when we grow in him. That's when we become more one. That's when we become, to me, one flesh with him. So just with the holidays coming up, I just want to encourage you with that, that it's him. It's all him. And community is so important. It's so important. We know we lived a life of isolation for a very long time, a very, very, very long time. And the Lord, he will reveal himself, but he reveals him, his true self in community. So. so it all goes back to Romans 15, verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good and lead, leading to edification. So let's go ahead and move into 16 and get this. Get this party. Get this party rolling. It ended? Yeah. <laughs> you All know, right. 16 starts off um, with something with that's very Phoebe. important. Phoebe. I yes. love the name Phoebe. The first two, the first two verses here. I com commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, our sister, who is a servant of the church. Some scriptures call her a deacon in the church. That's, that's leadership. So our sister, Phoebe, who's in leadership of the church, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. Show her respect and honor. And assist her. And assist her as an assistant. Assist her. In whatever business she has need of you, meaning humble yourselves and come alongside for in, indeed she was been a helper of many. And myself. And myself also. So this is really important coming into what the next couple of books are going to be yes. addressing a different community. But you have to understand this is, this is, this needs to paint the picture of where women were in the church. There was a place for them in leadership. There was a place for them in honor. So it's gonna, it, when, if you get a chance to start moving into 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and you start seeing some other <clears throat> comments about specific to that community, you can see how it's, how it, you'll, Holy Spirit will reveal truth to you. Yeah. Just know that, know that this is here for a purpose. Yeah. And it's very easily understood. And there's so much in the Church of Corinth that was going on that there's scriptures that have been abused um, and have been used to keep women down. Um, but when you start researching and you're understanding what these scriptures, what things were like then and how these scriptures were very important for that particular time, um, luckily... We are in a church where we honor women and women are in leadership and we, you know, but what I also love too is as we, as you read, he mentions so many women and he mentions Priscilla before Aquila. I love that. Um, he's, I do. He, <laughs> he's really honoring. Um, and I think that. Well, you know, a lot Holy of people Spirit say Alicia knew. and Daniel too. 
So that's pretty honoring. Yes, um, so is. he goes through and he greets all these people. And um, to be fair to you guys, we're not going to try to read all these no, people's names. He's, he loves them. They are, some of them are prisoners with him. Some of Especially them are countrymen. <laughs> some of them. I've been struggling. Some of them are, are small group leaders. He just wants to say, hello, I remember, I know you, feel blessed, uh, greet one another with the holy kiss, he says in 16. And then he goes in and he starts this one last thing. Which, hold on, can I just say that we should maybe think about adopting like air kisses instead of the handshake with the whole germ, like, you know, maybe there's something to uh, like a holy air kiss. No? no. <laughs> I'll pray about that one. Pastor says we'll pray about that one. It's like the French. I love what they do. Mwah, mwah. We don't touch nobody. We ain't got to shake. No, it's good. It's good. No COVID germs. <laughs> you know, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offense. Just saying. <laughs> Contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not do so. Let me now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Now, I chewed on this for so long because I went, why did he put this here? Why isn't this with 15? Why did he just give us a whole half of a letter Confirm who they are in the faith. And then all of a sudden, here's a really important piece of wisdom for you to know. And then he continues on with his goodbyes, and the letter closes with the writer of the. And I went, Why? Why did you put this here? And I saw Holy Spirit, and he, he's so good. He said, what did, what did Paul just do? Paul just gave them a whole list of people that he can verify are people in the faith, people that are in the church that they can trust and rely upon. And then he says, at the, he says, for your obedience has become known to all. Remember, what happens with churches? They grow. And they're being known by all, which means they are going to be growing and they're going to have people come to them. And because... And a public presence even. Thank you. So he's saying, here's a list of people that you can trust and you can rely on, that you can have in your inner, inner circle, whatever that looks like. But you need to beware of all of the wolves coming as lambs. And you need to be wise and he uses the word simple twice. Simple twice. Oh, yeah. Deceive, Deceive the, the hearts of the, of the simple. simple and be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And I was like, wow, simple. 
why are you saying simple? And I've, we know, Holy Spirit lets us know those who are evil and those who are not. You don't have to second guess it. That alarm goes off, you trust it, and you, don't and have you to guard yourself. Either. You don't have, thank you, you don't have to complicate it. You trust when that guard goes off. So that's what he meant by simple concerning evil and the hearts of the simple. He calls us to be simple-minded. Simple-minded. The gospel is simple, and we overcomplicate it. So be simple and be wise. Be wise. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Meaning, and don't even worry about your enemies because God's going to crush Satan under your feet. He's going to take care of your enemies. It's so good. So he finishes this up with a benediction. He says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and to the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the command of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone. Wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. He says, he's talking about the secret According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. This, he was in, he was in a moment that was been, been prophesied. We just read the prophecies. We just read the, the scriptures um, in 2 Samuel and in Psalms that says, for this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name among the Gentiles. In Deuteronomy, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. In Psalms, again, it says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. This is the mystery that there he's talking about. This is the, the, the prophetic... The prophetic scriptures that he's talking about that made known to all the nations. And now it's being manifest. So, in that, Lord, we just thank you that your word is being manifest, that you have given us the tools, Lord, to move forward in this, in this world and in this time, that you have spoken the truth over us, you have given us the tools and the wisdom and the teacher, you've given us discernment, you've given us all the gifts as as needed to decipher what's happening around us, to see that your truth stands, to see that your will stands. You've given us all that we need to know who you are and who we are in your will. And we just thank you that your mysteries continue to be revealed. Your secrets continue to be revealed to us. Light continues to shine in dark places. The pr prophetic scriptures continue to unfold before us 
and we see you glorified in the, in the prof- prophecy coming true. And we thank you that we have that to stand on, to know your glory, to know your truth, and to know your will for us. We thank you for, just for this opportunity to dive into your word. We pray that it blesses everyone that was a part of this study and that whatever you have in store next is just, just as opening and just as expounding on your truth. And we just bless everyone here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Please have a good night.